Junior Jewels. I'm Carly. And I'm Jess. And we are the hosts of Typical Tuesday Night, a, a Taylor, Taylor Swift, Swift podcast. podcast. Hello, and welcome back to Typical Tuesday Night. I'm Jess. And I'm Carly. And we just wanted to give you all a big thank you for all the support you've shown us the last few weeks. Yeah. Our Harry Styles series was so much fun, and we're so glad you enjoyed it as much as we did. We also hope you enjoyed the 1989 draft that we did. We thought that was so much fun, and we can't wait to do that again sometime with more albums. Yes. And you guys, we hit a really exciting milestone at the end of November. So we hit 10,000 downloads, which is honestly really, really exciting. We've been doing this like just about two and a half months now. And it's just been so fun to like bring us a bigger Swifty community and just like get to know you guys more as well. For sure. Um, Let's jump into this week's topic. Today, we decided we're going to go more in depth on Scooter Braun. We've mentioned him in one of our earlier episodes that we would cover this more when we chatted about Taylor re-recording her music and how Scooter plays into all of that. And um, there's a lot to it. So, Yeah, so we'll let's do a it. quick overview really quick. So Taylor and Scooter did not like each other. Taylor's old record label was sold to Scooter, and that included the masters to her first six albums. Taylor didn't know about any of this until it broke in the news and she was not happy about it, which I, I don't blame her. That's a terrible I way know. to find out like this information. Yeah. Um, but especially because she had been trying to purchase her masters herself. And so there was like a lot of beef after that between them as well. And there is so much more in between all of that that we're going to get into all the yes. details and hopefully paint a more like full picture for you, um, at least as much as we can. This is a topic we feel like a lot happened kind of behind closed doors, yeah. but there's also a lot that like Taylor, I mean, both sides were pretty, it was a pretty public feud as yeah. well. And so... We're going to share with you what we've heard, but we obviously don't know everything. Okay. So we're going to start by, we pulled some parts from Taylor's Tumblr post, which was from June 30th of 2019. And this was just after hearing the news that her masters had been acquired by Scooter Braun. So she starts that Tumblr post by saying, for years, I asked, pleaded for a chance to own my work. Instead, I was given an opportunity to sign back up to Big Machine Records and earn one album back at a time, one for every new one I turned in. I walked away because I knew once I signed that contract, Scott Bruschetta would sell the label, thereby selling me and my future. I had to make the excruciating choice to leave behind my past. Music I wrote on my bedroom floor and videos I dreamed up and paid for from the money I earned playing in bars, then clubs, then arenas, then stadiums. She goes on to say, some fun facts about today's news. I learned about Scooter Braun's purchase of my master's as it was announced to the world. All I could think about was the incessant manipulative, manipulative bullying I've received at his hands for years. Now Scooter has stripped me of my life's work that I wasn't given an opportunity to buy. Essentially, my musical legacy is about to lie in the hands of someone who tried to dismantle it. She continues, this is my worst case scenario. When I left my masters in Scott's hands, I made peace with the fact that eventually he would sell them. Never in my worst nightmares did I imagine the buyer would be Scooter. Anytime Scott Bruschetta has heard the words Scooter Braun escape my lips, it was when I was either crying or trying not to. He knew what he was doing. They both did. Controlling a woman who didn't want to be associated with them in perpetuity. That means forever. She says, thankfully, I'm now signed to a label that believes I should own anything I create. Thankfully, I left my past in Scott's hands and not my future. And hopefully young artists or kids with musical dreams will read this and learn about how to better protect themselves in a negotiation. You deserve to own the art you make. Sad and grossed out with like the broken heart emoji, Taylor. Oh, that's so sad and honestly, just so heavy. So heavy. It like oh breaks my heart. So let's kind of dive into the background though of what it is Taylor kind of mentions here. Mm -hmm. 
So Taylor mentions that she was, in fact, given the opportunity to own her master's, but it's kind of the way that she was offered to do that. And that was to earn them back one by one by signing like a new contract to the label and earning one album back for every new one she released. And we talked about this in our re-record episode. And if you haven't listened to that, definitely you can even like pause this and listen to that first or listen to that after because we go into some of these details a little bit more as well. But that is not the kind of relationship that I would expect Scott Borchetta, who was the original owner of Big Machine Records, to have with Taylor Swift at this point in her career. Like, it's just so weird to me. She had like built so much with them and was so insanely successful at this point. I just feel like he would want to keep her happy. For sure. I mean, it's just weird. This is, this is after her sixth album. Like she's yeah. so huge at this point. I just, I can't believe that honestly, they felt so insecure about the situation that they felt like the only way to keep her was to trap her Mm, and that just shows no respect at all yeah and taylor knew he'd be selling the label soon like she knew that was coming down the pipeline and so it wasn't worth staying not knowing what the future held and having some random person can you imagine if she was still signed if she signed a new contract with big machine and then scooter became in charge of that like that would have i mean this is her worst case scenario but that would have been horrible even worse yeah (laughs) you know absolutely she definitely made the right choice to be like i'm out for sure and then, yeah, for her to say that she didn't even find out that he was the one to purchase it until the news broke is just so sad. Um, and then I saw something interesting. I don't remember hearing this originally when all this happened, but Scooter, he had like a friend shared an Instagram story of like the news that like Scooter okay. had acquired big machine and taylor swift's masters and all that and the friend on his instagram story said something like my friend scooter bought taylor swift and oh, scooter re- reshared it to his stories that's so yeah. bad that's so <sighs> like just like taylor said like gross like yes do you not understand what you're doing what, like, you're, what you're saying, saying? and like the yes. effect that it has are no. you that like I almost blind? like hope that they don't though. Like I know, I know, because it's so <laughs> ridiculous. I don't know if what makes it worse is like not realizing what you're doing or knowing what you're doing and still doing it. Like it's both so bad. Knowing him, he probably knows oh, exactly what he's he probably doing, did. It's so. true. It's true. Oh and we'll keep going into that because he is just a ugh, Yeah. So guy. on top of on top of all that, she reminds us that he has been part of bullying her in the past. And let's kind of give some background on that. So you guys are kind of probably wondering, like, who in the world Scooter Braun even is. So he manages and or like has managed so many of the top artists in the music industry. So you think artists like Ariana Grande, Demi Lovato, Kanye West, Justin Bieber, and a lot more. But do any of those names stick out to you, Jess? Yes. So obviously, Taylor and Kanye have had yeah. probably the biggest roller coaster ride of oh a gosh, relationship, friendship, enemy, whatever, over yeah. the years, um, which we're going to do a whole episode just on Kanye West someday because there is a lot that goes to him. So we're going to try to keep it concise to just what pertains to Scooter right Scooter. now. Um, But Scooter became Kanye's manager in early 2016, which is the same year that Kanye's music video and song Famous was released. So this is the song that Kanye supposedly called Taylor about dropping her name in the music. And then Kim was like recording and posting misleading video of the phone call to make Taylor look like a liar and a fraud. Yeah, so basically they they claimed that they called and got Taylor's permission 
And then post and then Taylor, like when it all came out, Taylor basically was like, I don't approve of this. And they're like, well, you did on this phone call and then tried to like post, you know, cut up snippets to make it seem like she had. And it turned into a whole thing, which we'd love to dive into, but it's just like not there's so much. (laughs) Just wait, we'll go into it more. Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) It will come. Oh yeah, Kanye released the song famous which he supposedly got taylor's permission to name drop which he could have he could have got permission to name drop her in the song yeah but i guarantee you taylor did not give permission for him to say these specific words about her for real he said the lyrics are i feel like me and taylor might still have sex why i made that bitch famous and that is just so disrespectful in so many ways Yes. So many ways. So many ways. Then, to top it off, the music video for that song is so disgusting. He literally has, in the music video, he's, like, laying in this bed, and there is, like, a wax figurine that looks like Taylor Swift naked in the bed with him. I remember hearing about that. so disgusting. Like, of course Taylor would never approve of that. Yes. And like, do you even know Taylor? Yeah. Well, and like I said, I mean, we're not getting into all the Kanye stuff today, yeah. but like, it's especially frustrating. He's acting like this and saying these things because him claiming that he made her famous is referencing when he stole the mic from her at the award show and all yeah. that. And they had like made up after that. And like before this, and so for him to kind of like go back on all that and say these kinds of things. Yeah. And also, like, he is with Kim Kardashian at this point, and he's saying that I know, he's saying things like this. Like, it just is like the weirdest thing to me. I don't know. Yeah. I had never thought about that. Like, if you were Kim, but she seems so on board with all of it. She's so on board with all of this. So it's very, she's but like, if, like, yeah. My husband he got said her permission. Like that? I'm like, what about your permission? Yeah. Because yeah, you know if what my I mean? husband wrote a song like that, I'd be like, "Excuse me," for so many reasons. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're gonna so go have sex with someone else. Yeah. Also, how dare it's you say that so about another bizarre. woman? I know Ugh. it is. It's so cringy. So, Scooter, being Kanye's manager at this time, means he was pretty involved in this. And I mean, who knows? I, don't, I doubt that it was his idea, but he definitely yeah. was. He was very I mean, involved he in the process. A lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Justin Bieber also didn't have the best relationship with Taylor Swift at this time, just probably mostly because of him and Selena breaking up and her and Selena were friends still and, yeah. and all of that. But um, when Taylor posted this original Tumblr post, she included a photo that was a screenshot of a an Instagram post that Justin Bieber had made. It was a screenshot of a like a FaceTime and it was Justin FaceTiming Kanye and Scooter and someone else and the caption just said Taylor Swift what up and just basically being like look at all these people that don't like you and we're all like yeah. talking and just like talking and he post he posted that to his instagram so feed he, i think he deleted it later but just so like and he did kind of like half apologize for it down the line oh but, interesting like, i didn't know that yeah he just said like um I shouldn't have done that. I was just thinking I was being funny, but also like you're handling this whole situation really bad. So like he's oh, he, like kind of apologized, like but was like, but also yeah. you're being dumb. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. So. Oh god. Yeah. Anyways, and Justin and Scooter were like really close, weren't they? I mean, Scooter like, I is constantly seeing them together. Yeah, Scooter like, is has been Justin's manager from the beginning. Like they say that Scooter kind of discover like help discover him okay so like they have been together for a really really long time and i know justin bieber has like a documentary uh-huh scooters in it a ton all those kinds of things so yeah they're pretty tight and i also read that um i think part of the reason why like taylor and scooter and justin and that whole mix isn't like 
a good relationship is also because it sounds like Scooter was super overreaching into like Justin and Selena's relationship and he didn't like them together. And he was always like overstepping and those kinds of things and could have potentially played a role in, you know, their split and things like that. But um, interesting. I did not know that either. Yeah. There's just so many things we don't know. Like, I really do think that there's more to this, to the story of Scooter and Taylor, but this has just, this is all that we've seen made public and is more of like concrete to our knowledge. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's circle back to Taylor's Tumblr post. And in that, she says, anytime Scott Borchetta has heard the words Scooter Braun escape my lips, it was when I was either crying or trying not to. It's just like he, oh, he keeps going. He knew what he was doing. They both did. Controlling a woman who didn't want to be associated with them. He totally knew what he was doing. Like, there's no way he can claim that, like, oh, I didn't know you didn't like Scooter. Like, you know he did. And that leaves... Uh, this leaves such a bad taste in my mouth and just breaks my heart for Taylor. I just well, and I think I it's like very telling of how vocal Taylor was about all of it too, because she's not always vocal about everything. You know, mm-hmm. she's very particular about what she decides to speak out on, which I also think goes to show that she really speaks out when she knows she needs to. And this mm-hmm. being one of those times is like okay, like there's a lot going on here. But, like, yeah. with someone as as many eyes on her and the influence that she can have, she really feels very passionate about this on, like, a personal level, but also, like, industry level. Like, she wants to help other artists not have the same things happen to them. For sure. And also, on, like, the personal level, just kind of in, a, in comparison, I'm not saying one way is the right way or the wrong way, but if you heard recently in the last couple of months, there was there were all these news articles about how Katy Perry sold her masters oh, for $225 million. And all that you saw around it was like praise and congratulations and like, oh my gosh, good for you. You deserve it. That's yeah. awesome. Which is true. It's true. I'm not yeah. saying it's not true or that she shouldn't want that. But I think it just goes to show that like for Taylor owning like her masters and her writing of those songs and those original recordings means so much to her on a personal level. She wants to be the one to own them. Like she's not in it to earn a bunch of money. Like she has plenty of money. She does not need more money. (laughs) Like she just, she wants to, own that personal work and she was just yeah yeah well and i think it goes to show it's what you want right like katie perry wanted to sell him and that was great and like we should congratulate that right but taylor swift wanting to own those we should also want to help it's like what do these artists want and that's yeah what they should get and i think it's just so cool though how much taylor wants to help new and upcoming artists and like getting this into the attention so that they feel educated and like know what they're looking for when signing with labels is honestly Mm -hmm. really cool and very powerful like i remember hearing olivia rodrigo did a interview saying because taylor brought all of this to my attention i went into signing deals very differently yeah for sure i think that's especially true for people who are singer songwriters because they're so passionate about owning, you know, they put together everything themselves Yeah, for the most part. And so like owning that, I mean, I just, I can't even wrap my brain around the fact that like, that's even a thing that you don't own your own. It's weird. Like you're weird. I don't understand it either. Yeah. So hopefully that is not the case in the future for sure. So on November 14th, 2019, Taylor posted another post on Tumblr. And here are a few things she wrote. She said, guys, it's been announced recently that the American Music Awards will be honoring me with Artist of the Decade Award at this year's ceremony. I've been planning to perform a melody of my hits throughout the decade on the show. 
Scott Borchetta and Scooter Braun have now said that I'm not allowed to perform my old songs on television because they claim that would be re-recording my music before I'm allowed to next year. Additionally, she goes on, and this isn't the way I had planned on telling you this news. Netflix has created a documentary about my life for the past few years. Scott and Scooter have declined the use of my older music or performance footage for this project, even though there is no mention of either of them or Big Machine Records anywhere in the film. Scott Borchetta told my team that they'll allow me to use my music only if I do these things. If I agree to not record copycat versions of my songs next year, which is something I'm both legally allowed to do and looking forward to. And also told my team I need to stop talking about him and Scooter Braun. So she ends it by saying, I just want to be able to perform my own music. That's it. I've tried to work this out privately through my team, but have not been able to resolve anything. Right now, my performance at the AMAs, the Netflix documentary, and any other re-recorded events I am planning to play until November of 2020 are a question mark. Can I just say, I loved those Tumblr days when like Taylor would just (laughs) hop on and just write a ton of stuff and you'd just be like, oh, that's what's going on. I know. And I feel, I mean, I do feel like that's what's really unique about this situation is like she, at this point, she really wasn't doing, this wasn't like a super common thing. No. But this specifically kind of brings us back to when she did it in the past. And like you said before, it just really shows the importance of it. And that, like, if she is, I mean, she is releasing multiple lengthy lengthy personal statements about this which she does not do even now she doesn't do this kind of stuff you know so (laughs) it's got to be like a really big deal when she is doing this um and so right after this big machine fired back with a lengthy statement of their own which we'll read a little bit of Um, so the day after Taylor posted that Tumblr, her formal, former label, big machine, um, basically put out a statement on their website and said, Taylor, the narrative you've created does not exist, which is, I mean, like, Hey Taylor, you're a big liar. Like that's literally what they just said. Literally. And they said it multiple times. It's crazy. We'll read a few. A few. Okay, yeah, I'm going to read this part because I think it's important. So the statement. So the statement reads: As Taylor Swift's partner for over a decade, we were shocked to see her Tumblr statements yesterday, based on false information. At no point did we say Taylor could not perform on the AMAs or block her Netflix special. In fact, we do not have the right to keep her from performing live anywhere. So Big Machine also accused Taylor of contractually owing millions of dollars and multiple assets to their company, which is responsible for 120 hardworking employees who helped build her career. Big Machine also claimed to prefer to deal with this in private and that Taylor had not responded to any of those requests to do so. I just like hate. This just seems so like scumbaggy to me in a way and just like putting so much blame on her like she contractually owes us so much and she's responsible for all of these hardworking employees who actually just helped build her career just like do you know how taylor treats people that work for her well and like if you just think about all of this like so much work so much effort so many lies so many secrets all this just because you don't want someone to own their own freaking music? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, you you don't want her to own it that bad when it's hers to own? Yeah. Like, that yeah. just, I can't wrap my brain around well, it. Well, and you, it's clearly all about money. And that's what it, like, oh, comes yeah. down to for them. It's like, we don't care about people or her owning her stuff. We don't care about any of that. As long as we're making as much money as we possibly can. For sure. Which is just like, that's not who you, you can't do business with those kind of people. No. Like, there's no No. point in her even trying. And I think she realizes that at this point, too. 
Because then Taylor's team like strongly disagreed. And that same day that Big Machine Records dropped their statement, Tree Payne, who's Taylor's representative, issued her own statement claiming that Big Machine indeed denied Taylor the opportunity to use her old music in her AMA's performance. So it's just like really really interesting that they're like, okay, no. Like, yeah. Well, on the same day. Yeah. And. In so this post has been since deleted, but Tree posted this in true Tree fashion, which is kind of fun because Tree also doesn't come out of the word what word works yeah. and put out her own personal statements very often either. But she just did this recently for some <laughs> other drama, and so that's kind of fun. But she she posted this on as an official statement to her Twitter page that had all the tea. She said. The truth is, on October 28th, 2019, at 5.17 p.m., the Vice President Rights Management and Business Affairs from Big Machine Label Group sent Taylor Swift's team the following. Please be advised that Big Machine Label Group will not agree to issue licenses for existing recordings or waivers of its re-recordings restrictions in connection with these two projects, the Netflix documentary and the Alibaba Double Eleven event, which was another live event that Taylor was going to be performing at. And she ended up just performing three songs from like her lover album to just like avoid, you know, figuring out rights. Like she just needed to to figure it out and just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Tree then went on to say, it was clear that Big Machine Label Group felt any televised performance of catalog of catalog songs violated her agreement. In addition, yesterday, Scott Borchetta, CEO and founder of Big Machine Label Group, flatly denied the request for both American Music, American Music Awards and Netflix. And then lastly, Big Machine is trying to deflect and make this about money, saying she owes them. But an independent professional auditor has determined that Big Machine owes Taylor $7.9 million of unpaid royalties over several years. Which literally just proves your point. It literally just proves what you just said. They are like, she owes us tons of money, but really they owe her tons of money. Has she said that? No, no, she hasn't. Is she coming out with that publicly being like, they owe me millions of dollars as well. Like she's not, you know? And so (laughs) she just wants to like perform. And that's all that that turned into until they like went at her. And then I love that tree was like, Oh, you want to know what really went on? Okay. Here at this exact day on this exact time, this was the exact statement you guys sent us. (laughs) Yes. And I think that it's interesting, too, that um, in Big Machine's statement that they made, they they were so um, particular about the words that they said. They said, um, at no point did we say, so like the wording of this is super important. At no point did we say Taylor could not perform on the AMAs. Or block mm. her Netflix special. In fact, we do not have the right to keep her from performing live anywhere. That they are missing some very yes. important keywords. I just realized at, that. It, yeah. It it doesn't say at no point did we say Taylor could not perform any of her old music on yes. the AMAs or like include any of her old performances on the Netflix special. Like never did she say they're telling me I can't do a Netflix documentary. They're telling me I can't perform on the AMAs. That's not the problem. Yeah. Like they're skirting around the actual they're, issue yes. trying to say like, we didn't tell her she couldn't do this. Well, that's not what we said you did. Yeah, she's not even she saying that. Do. Yeah. Oh, it's so, <sighs> it's so cringy. <laughs> so after all of this back and forth, Drama, public statement after public statement. Nine days before the AMAs, a big machine executive told TMZ that Taylor Swift can 100% perform all of her catalog past and present on the AMAs, which sounded great. But like, what? Like, why all of a sudden such a change? Well, apparently the true holdup on big machines end was that they weren't certain of what happens to a live AMA's broadcast after airing on television. So big machine, along with Dick Clark productions clarified that Taylor can perform 
any of her songs at the show, including rebroadcasts, which is just, they're just like, they're just grasping at straws at this point. They're like, we need to try to block anything and everything that she wants to do. And I'm just, I can't. So it's all, it really just goes back. I feel like to the money stuff, they like so badly want to control anything she does and anything that could possibly give her money and not them money. They just absolutely want to block. And it's almost like as soon as they realize that that wouldn't be an issue with the AMAs, then they're like, okay, go ahead. Yeah. And so (sighs) the AMA performance, if you guys don't remember, it ended up, especially after all this drama, it was so powerful and so awesome. The way you said all this drama, it just reminded me of her song. (laughs) All this drama. Uh, Yes. Yes. (laughs) i mean yeah i mean it's all about this it is she opened the perform so because she got the permission she was able to do her big melody of hits over the years but the way she opened this performance was super powerful it's the one where she came out and she it was just her she's in this white oversized shirt like button-up shirt that's in black letters it kind of like gives me vibes of like a prison outfit and like like um kind of like and the way that the the let like the words are typed on the shirt just gives like prison vibes like they're locked up and they're black and it's just the names of all the albums that she doesn't own the masters to and she sings a snippet of the man and um it's super awesome and then she eventually like as she's singing she like a little girl comes on stage and then she has a bunch of little girls come on stage to have the white shirts with like a an album name on it and then at the very end of her singing the man before she goes into like the rest of the different albums and the different songs she turns around and she she turns her back to the audience as she takes the jacket off for her next performance and on the back across it it says fearless like that's where that album title is and it just was yeah so powerful it really was so so cool yeah yeah and i'll we'll link the video to that like the youtube of that ama performance in the show notes too if you want to go watch it but it's it's a really fun performance so it is. I want to check it out. So let's talk five months after the AMAs. So Taylor brought it to everyone's attention that Big Machine allegedly had plans to release an old performance of hers that was more than 10 years old as a live album. And on top of that, she claimed it was a shady attempt on Scooter and Co.'s behalf to make back the money that they lost from purchasing her masters. Yeah. Do you know what that they... performance was going to be? It was, um, it was like on a radio show. Um, okay. She just like did like a live performance on a radio show. Okay. And so, um, the so interesting part of this too was that they were going to backdate it. So the performance itself was when she, when she was 18. So this was like okay. years and years and years ago. Yeah. Um, but they were going to backdate like the release of the live album album to be 2017. Which is the shady part because that's making it sound like they put it out when Taylor would have been in the picture, but they're trying to put it out when she's out of the picture to just essentially try to make money, which is like so cringy. There's so many cringy things. Yes. Yeah. But obviously this was not a good investment for Scooter. Nope. Because. Nope. Just 17 months after acquiring Big Machine, Scooter turns around and he sells Taylor's Masters to um, Shamrock Holdings. And he did not really profit much off of her. Like, honestly, I don't I don't remember the numbers or I mean, that's also like I don't know that we know all the numbers, but I don't think he if he profited, it wasn't much um, or he lost money. And when it was all said and done, and especially with how like poorly his reputation probably went in the toilet after this, like 
it was not a good idea for him to buy these masters. And so there's some interesting things about him selling the masters. So she actually did try to work something out with Scooter to purchase them from him, even though I'm sure she really hated the idea of that. But Scooter wanted her to sign a really intense NDA that said Taylor would never speak an ill word about Scooter again. And this is what Taylor said about that. She said, so I would have to sign a document that would silence me forever before I could even have a chance to bid on my own work. She wrote, my legal team said that this was absolutely not normal and they've never seen an NDA like this presented unless it was to silence and assault accuser by paying them off. So bad. Yeah. And she also said he would never even quote my team a price. These master recordings were not for sale to me. Like she had to sign that NDA before (sighs) they even gave her a number. So he could have easily been like, sign this NDA that says you'll never speak poorly about me again. And then he could just throw some huge number in her face. That's like, yeah, pay me, you know, a billion dollars for this or whatever it may be, you know, like some outrageous thing that she like, isn't gonna pay you know what i mean yeah what and so just super unfair crazy i don't even know like the word i want to use but cruel is all i can yes cruel if you so cruel like just be a good person how dare you say like hey i know i'm a terrible person so sign this saying that you won't talk about how bad of a person i am like just be a good person like are you serious (laughs) Okay, so Taylor also said she was not aware of the sale to Shamrock before the news was reported. She said, this was the second time my music had been sold without my knowledge. Oh, poor girl. She said she was notified about the sale from Shamrock itself, but that Studer's team, quote, had required that they made no contact with me or my team or the deal would be off. So shady. Why is he literally the worst? It's so shady. It's, it's so shady. And it's it's too bad. Like, it's just, like, not a good situation for anybody. Shamrock yeah. said they may have wanted to make a deal with Taylor to collaborate with her to promote the music in the future. But uh, Taylor declined a partnership with them because Scooter, in the contract when he sold it to Shamrock, he basically made it so that he would still profit from from it and so like she would still be in business with him even though it wasn't a direct relationship and she just wants literally nothing to do with him oh as she should and she said i learned that under their term scooter braun will continue to profit off my old music catalog for many years i was hopeful to open the possibility of a partnership with shamrock but scooter's participation is a non-starter for me so Oh, it's just crazy. But it is interesting that Scooter sold those masters before Taylor even released any of her re-recorded music. Like he had to have seen the writing on the wall. Like, yeah, but like this was. I thought I was going to make money from this, but I don't think I am. And Swifties are going to do anything that Scooter wants them to do. No, Scooter, Scooter, and Scott, no loyalty. Taylor has built yeah. so much loyalty with her fan yes. base that like this was never going to work. And the fact they couldn't yeah. see that, honestly, all I can think I mean, of is the there's song a Karma. reason. That's literally yeah. all I can think of. <laughs> but there's a reason that people like that don't recognize other people who have that because they don't have it. Like they have yeah. no loyalty to anybody but themselves and building themselves up and seeing how far they can get and how much money they can make. So they don't understand the importance of being a good human, building relationships with people and building each other up and having people yeah. and fans be loyal to you. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, God. So this next thing we're going to talk about, and I don't know if you remember this. This is actually really funny. And I did learn something about, I knew about this, but I also learned something about this. So I don't know if you guys knew this or remember, I am also going to include the link to this in the show notes because it is so hilarious. It's probably one of the funniest commercials ever made, but at the end of 2020, 
there was a ma- like a match.com ad that Ryan Reynolds like wrote, directed, whatever. I don't know. Ryan Reynolds was a part of. And basically the premise of the the ad was that like the devil, like Satan <laughs> and um the year 2020, which was like in the form of just like a normal looking woman matched on match.com and they like they go to meet up for the first time and basically the ad shows like a bunch of like quote dates that they go on like going to the gyms that are empty this is like kind of you know it's 2020 so it's talking about the pandemic and and those kinds of things it's a really funny ad well um you know they're going and they're stealing a bunch of toilet paper and like (laughs) all these things it's so funny but the song that plays through the ad is Love Story Taylor's version, which is the first ever sneak peek of a Taylor's version song, which was really fun um, and exciting. And then this last part, which is why we're even including this in this episode. Did you know this back then? Because no. I didn't. No. Okay. It's hilarious. But now I <laughs> so need to go rewatch the- this. I know. Towards the end of the ad, um, it shows um, the like Satan and the 2020 girl. They're like out on a date and they're taking a selfie in front of a literal dumpster fire. <laughs> and in the background, <laughs> there is just a scooter that's like tipped over. <laughs> and it's so uh, funny. That's amazing. It's- it's totally intentional. Like it, because this is right oh, after be. Scooter. Yeah. This is right after, like, literally a month after he sold her masters. Okay. Well, and like Ryan and, Reynolds and Blake Lively are best yeah, friends with close, Taylor close. Swift. Yeah. Yeah. And so it is just hysterical. That's funny. Honestly, I need to go. I can't believe that. that's really funny. I never, because the articles I read, like, it was pretty well known. Like, Swifties caught on to oh, that, but like the scooter was there and tipped over. I'm like, not I me, never even knew that. Yeah. So I remember the commercial, so funny. but yeah. not that part. That's funny. Yeah. I honestly it's love funny. how many like anti scooter things there are, but they use like mm-hmm. a picture of a scooter that, yeah, or like the emoji is always used, like a scooter oh, emoji. Uh-huh. Yes. 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 I know my brother in law, when he went to the Ares tour, that was his shirt. It was like just a picture of a scooter with like a, like a, what is that kind? Like, <laughs> like an a cross X through it. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's talk about Taylor releasing her first re-record, and that was with Fearless Taylor's version. And then Red Taylor's version came after that. And those were both in 2021 and they were incredibly successful. Um, within its first year of being released, Billboard reported that Fearless Taylor's version sold 1 million equivalent album units. While Fearless, like the original, earned 242,000 equivalent album units in the span of a year when it was originally released in 2008. And honestly, Fearless did really well back then. Yeah. But if you think like 242,000 compared yeah. to 1 million, yeah, for the re record, like it's That's wild. Crazy. And yeah. then, so Red Taylor's version. The numbers also just like speak for themselves. So Red Taylor's version sold 1.94 million units in its first year versus um, 220,000 units. The original recording sold in that same time period. Those are, that's insane. I know, especially because I think something that was like a big mystery for people when they're like, how's this re-recording thing going to work? How are people going to react? People love the originals. Are the new ones going to be good? This just truly shows the loyalty of Taylor Swift's fans to hers and how important this, like, this passion project of hers was to her fans as well. And they were going to be totally on board to support her. Yes. And I know some people say that, like, I've read people literally think that all of this, all the scooter drama, her masters being sold to someone else, her not getting them was just a plan of hers all along because she could just make more money re-recording her music, which is so absurd. Yeah. Um, Like it would give her a bigger payoff to release re-records than just owning her originals. 
Yeah. And when people say things like that, they're just missing literally the whole point. Taylor yes. is so personally connected to her original music and re-recording is so, so, so much extra work. Like, I don't think people realize, like, it's not just sit down and sing the songs that I've, you know, already written. Like, yeah. there's so much time and effort that goes into it. And she does not need more money. She has plenty no. of money. There is no need to go through all of that work for more money. And so people are just missing the whole point when they say things like that. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, the her original work, you just can tell how important that was for her. And how can it not be? Like, I can't even imagine being so committed and caring and working so hard with something to then just lose it. Especially stuff that you were doing at like 14 and 15. Like, those are big times in your life. And then like, you think about the I Can See You music video. And we've like done an episode on that that you can also go listen to. But you, the whole point was seeing how sad she was when she lost all of her original work. Like yeah. she's re-recording because that's what she knows she needs to do. But it, I never, ever got the vibe that that's what she wanted to do. If you gave Taylor two choices, own. if you gave her two choices, take the originals and make yeah. less money or re-record and make a lot, a lot, a lot, yeah. a lot of money from them. She will choose the originals every oh, single absolutely. time. No questions well, asked. Yeah. And you can see how many times did she ask to buy them? Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, she wasn't even given the chance. So like, how yeah. do you say, I mean, her one chance was what? Well, um, give us more albums and then you can have one. Yes. And then give us another album and then you can have one. And it's just like, you're or treating me terribly. I'm not going to be trapped. Yeah. Sign, sign an, an NDA, NDA that's never, you're never going to talk bad about me again. <laughs> like, how I don't know. It's just so manipulative, and again, like Taylor said, it is just so gross. And yep. especially where like these, it's just men fighting over something that is not theirs to fight over. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yep. Ugh, so gross. Ugh. So bad. So <laughs> this is kind of fun. Um, when Taylor when Taylor was promoting Midnight's. She said that some songs were inspired by fantasizing revenge and vigilante shit is spe speculated to be about Scooter and their feud, but likely as a fantasy rather than in a literal sense. And some of these lyrics are kind of what reference that. So she says, Spider Boy, King of Thieves, weave your little webs of opacity. My pennies made your crown. Trick me once, trick me twice. Don't you know that cash isn't the only price? It's coming back around. And so where Spider Boy has the same initials as Scooter Braun and Scott Brachetta, my pennies major yeah, my pennies major crown referencing that her masters in their hands are worth so little compared to what they're worth if they were hers. Mm. And what she makes in general, showing again that it's just like not about the money for her, yeah. but no, totally about the money for them. Oh, absolutely. And then she goes on to sing, she needed cold, hard proof, so I gave her some. She had the envelope where you think she got it from. Now she gets the house, gets the kids, gets the pride. Picture me thick as thieves with your ex-wife, and she looks so pretty driving in your bends. Lately, she's been dressing for revenge. It like I wanted to like sing that whole thing. I know. <laughs> this song is so good. But it in is. these lyrics, Taylor's likely thinking about how ironic it would be if she teamed up with his now ex-wife to help her get what she deserved from him because that whole thing yeah. kind of was a mess too yeah which i sure. shouldn't be surprised yeah um and then one of the last verses in one of the last verses she sings while he was doing lines and crossing all of mine someone told his white collar crimes to the fbi and something that's so funny about this is that really shortly after this album was released the FBI, the I official did not know F. This. You did it. Oh my no. gosh! 
I did. I knew this. Oh back. my gosh. I, I knew this originally. It's hilarious. It is. The FBI, the, the official FBI tweeted, do you have information about a white collar crime? Report it swiftly to the FBI. <laughs> it's Which amazing. is so amazing. Yes. Oh my it gosh. It is so amazing. <laughs> Um, and great job. I just, something that I love about this is like, especially knowing the, like the choreography to this song on the eras tour, it references, isn't it like Chicago? Like a, uh a like the play. um, And yeah. And it's very like, when you think about it in like the terms of fantasizing revenge, that performance totally gives off those vibes she's like man if i could just come up you know kind of how she said she was so excited to do the i can see you music video as like a heist like i could see her thinking that same thing as like man like what's like the most like what's a creative way of like me see seeing myself getting revenge on like scooter and like these are the things that would happen and it's kind of fun it's oh that song is seriously it's so so good and so fun. It is. Yes. Okay. So before we wrap things up, we just wanted to talk about there have been some artists that have been leaving Scooter Braun lately. And it's been kind of wild. So here are just a few of them. So Jay Balvin, Baby Jake, Asher Roth, Carly Rae Jepsen, Ariana Grande, Demi Lovato, Idina, Adina Menzel, and then apparently rumored is Justin Bieber. Yeah, which is and all of that happened in. I'm pretty sure all of that happened in 2023. Like it felt like like it was just like one after the other. Yeah, and there still hasn't been official news if Justin has split from him or not. Um, None of that was like super concrete, but I'd be really curious down the line to see if he does. Yeah, because that would be a huge deal. Oh yeah, because like we said before, like they were so close. Yeah, and like you said, like but he's I, been with him forever. Yeah, just looks like karma's coming back around. You know, I, absolutely. None of well, this, none of this is working out in Scooter's favor. Yeah, no. Honestly, <laughs> I don't even care. You got, yeah. you got what you had coming. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Well, that wraps up our episode for this week. So thank you guys so much for being here and for all the support that you show our podcast. It seriously means so much. If you enjoyed our podcast, we would love it if you left us a rating and review. Just like click those five stars. Tell us what you liked about the episode or episodes in general. Do that if you're on Apple. If you're on Spotify, just click the five stars. That's all you have to do. Um, But your kind messages and reviews always make our day and help us so much. And remember, don't get sad just get even. See you next week.